It's Christmas! Well, tonight, thank God it's there instead of you. Oh, Christmas Day, my ass. I'm driving home for Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to see those faces. Christmas to you and all. It's Christmas in July, which I don't really quite get. I think I said this last year, but half Christmas makes sense in June. We're halfway from one Christmas to the next, and we're closer to the next big day. But in July? It's summery, I suppose, so maybe that's a reason. But it, it's not as important as half Christmas, surely. Well, I don't really care as any reason to go a bit festive and I'm there. So let's go big today with some British covers of a real proper Christmas classic, a timey-wimey Inception alien-inspired TV episode, and the next round of voting in the Great Big Christmas Number 1 Showdown. As it's Christmas in July, I thought I'd go big for the episode and cover one of my favourite proper British TV shows that, if you go back in time, wink wink, through my podcasts, you'd find I'd already covered a bunch. Because Doctor Who has a tradition of Christmas specials that only recently tapered off into New Year specials, that often don't really tie into the season at all sadly. A new series is on the way with the new Doctor, well first an old Doctor in David Tennant, then a new Doctor in Inchuti Gatwa from Sex Education, the first black Doctor Who, and a return to the series from showrunner and writer Russell T Davis, and I hope he brings a proper Christmas special back. I've covered most of the proper festive ones on this pod, on this pod, this podcast, podcast, during yet to go, and I'm going to dive in today to the 10th Christmas special post-revival between the 8th and 9th series. First aired on Christmas Day 2014. And our Doctor for this episode is the wonderfully Scottish Peter Capaldi, whose Doctor was spiky yet contemplative, often enjoying wielding a guitar, and eventually becoming a kinder more compassionate Doctor as seasons went on. I quite liked his older, slightly harsher take on the role, especially away from the previous two younger, more chaotic Doctors. Last Christmas was written by seasoned Doctor Who writer Stephen Moffat and began as any good Christmas special on Christmas Eve with the Doctor's companion Clara Oswald, played by Jenna Coleman, being awoken by crashing, sleigh bells and arguing. You are an elf. Chimneys? I'm sorry. I'm just checking that you can see these massive chimneys. I can... They're hard to miss. Well, as you've clearly demonstrated, Ian. Donna, Donna, and and Blitzen, come on down, down here, boys. Good boys, good boys, good boys. Rudolph. And there's two elves played by Nathan McMullen of Misfits and Dan Starkey, who also appears in Doctor Who as an alien called a Santaran, and Santa Claus, played by the great comedic actor Nick Frost of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, trying to bluster his way out of this situation. Oh, sorry about this, girl. We, we are just three passing, perfectly ordinary roof people doing some emergency roof things. 
carry on. Merry Christmas. If, if, it, if it is Christmas, I mean, <laughs> I don't much care for things like that myself. I mean, Christmas. <laughs> Are you? Santa Claus. Me? <laughs> no. Oh, no. And Clara's confusion is mocked by the two sarcastic elves. Your Father Christmas, you're real. Of course I'm real. Oh, How could he oh, not be oh. real? Huh? How do you think those presents got under the tree every year? By magic? Well, I thought it was my mum and... Mum and, and dad. dad. Oh. <laughs> well, of course it was. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, your mum and dad, one day a year, for no particular reason, just out of the blue, suddenly decide to give you a great big pile of presents. No, 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 because... They love you so much. <laughs> it's a lovely story, dear. Yeah, but it's time to start living in the real world, yeah? Okay. And finally, the Doctor appears with some commands. Clara, I want you to step inside the TARDIS. I don't want you to talk. I want you to do as I ask, please. That was good with the box. <laughs> Not often we get upstaged on a rooftop. <laughs> yes. I'm really here. I'm back. Now get inside the TARDIS. And the familiar credits roll, and we're suddenly at some sort of research base at the North Pole, with a woman called Shona, played by Faye Marseille, of Game of Thrones and Andor, being guided through corridors for some reason. You are now 20 feet from the infirmary. In a moment, as soon as you're ready. I'll disable the security protocols. Your neural link is good and holding. We stand ready to abort and extract at the first sign of an anomaly. We're going to be with you every step of the way, Shona. We're all depending on you. And we know you won't let us down. And we quickly find out there are four crew members with creatures called Dream Crab stuck to their faces. And Shona is given clear commanding advice. Let's just go through this again. There are four sleepers inside the infirmary. You're fine. So long as they don't wake up, she's in range. Shona, I'm unsealing the infirmary. From now on, everything you think and feel, everything you see will be available to them. Most of it's fine, like traffic noise when you're sleeping, so long as you don't think about them. So long as you don't look at them. So don't think about them. Don't look at them. And she uses a seasonally appropriate earworm to stop from thinking about them. Focus on the words of the song, try to remember what comes next. That will work like interference. Comes your earworm. Keep your eyes on the floor. Shut them where possible. Focus on the music and move forward through the infirmary. Until the Doctor and Clara appear and cause a problem. Shona, what's wrong? We've, we've got ghosts! Ghosts? Yeah, yeah, it's a, a skeleton man and a girl in a nightie. Doctor? No, 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 you're making me think about them! Don't make me think about them! What are they? Look, just don't ask, yeah? And, and don't look, just don't make me think about them. Deaf. Blind. How can they see us? How do they even know that we're here? 
They can only see you, yeah, if you see them. So, so just don't look, just don't even think about them. Oh, telepathic. They can home in on that only image in someone else's brain. Third-party perception. <laughs> Mind piracy. And just before they're all attacked, another visitor turns up to save the day. Well, now... What seems to be the problem? This is the North Pole. We don't want any trouble here. Hey, Rudolph! Easy, son. Oi! Sleepyheads! Christmas Eve. Early to bed. And Shona's questioning doesn't clear things up. If you are Santa, mm -hmm. what are you doing here? It's the North Pole, and I own it. He means the actual pole. It goes right through the middle of the workshop. I've got a selfie with it. Sure, look. <laughs> look at you. The North Pole isn't an actual pole. Of course it is. Look. If it was an actual pole, it would not be stripey. It's got to be stripey. Otherwise, you couldn't see it moving around. Mm. It's actually basic physics. Though the Doctor has a more helpful conversation and a warning. Why is it called a dream crab for a start? Theorise. Because it generates a telepathic field. And? Alter perception. Meaning? I seem to be doing all the work here. Meaning we can't trust anything that we see or hear. Go to the window. Why? Because it gets worse. What is that? That's how Clara and I got here. In a box? Technically. In a telephone kiosk. How? <laughs> because it's a spaceship in disguise. Do you know what the big problem is in telling fantasy and reality apart? What? They're both ridiculous. Are we in danger? Oh, we are well past danger, Clara, if I'm right, and I usually am. We're dying. Then how do we stay alive? I like you. Straight to the point. And gets an unusual answer when trying to find more about the place. You don't seem much like a scientist. Well, that's a bit rude, coming from a magician. Why are you out here? What brought you to the North Pole? Long story, isn't it? You missed the killer question. Sorry, what? Beardy Weirdy. Yeah. How'd you get all the presents in the sleigh? Bigger on the inside. Oh! And gets an unusual answer when trying to find out more about this place. What am I looking at? Footage from a week ago. A side expedition from our main mission. What is your main mission? Long story. And time for a quick joke about a film. They're a bit like face huggers, aren't they? Face huggers? No, you know, Alien. The horror movie, Alien. There's a horror movie called Alien. That's really offensive. No wonder everyone keeps invading you. But then Clara is attacked and suddenly wakes up in bed on Christmas with her ex, Danny, who died at the end of the last series. Ho, ho, ho. Who are you? Do you mean, who am I? Who do you think I am? Danny. Merry Christmas. Come on. Come on where? Downstairs. Why? Well, you know what day it is. What day is it? Easter. It's Easter day, that's why I'm dressed like this. I'm Father Easter. Is that a thing? <laughs> no, because it's Christmas! Oh. And the message, dreaming, keeps appearing on blackboards in her house. And we cut to the Doctor, in real life, with a dying, face-hugged Clara. Clara, you're dreaming. You're dying. Can you hear me? 
Clara. We did try to waken the others. No stimulus worked. Okay, we kill it. We find a way to kill it and we get it off of her. How do we kill it? There's no way to kill it without killing your friend too. And as a scientist, may I just say, I don't like the way you're talking. Santa, in the infirmary, you told the sleepers to go to bed and they obeyed you. Sorry, it doesn't mean I can get that creature off. No, but you can get back in there unharmed, eh? What? You're asking Santa for help. He doesn't exist. And how would you know that? How did you become an expert on what does and doesn't exist? So the doctor deliberately dream crabs himself to get into her dream and warn her. Doctor? It's not real, Clara. You know it's not real. It's a dream and it's killing you. Merry Christmas. You remember Danny, of course. Not as well as you, clearly. You've made him a fraction taller. Merry Christmas, P. Compliments of the season, sir. Dialogue's pretty good, too. Nice work, it's all in the detail. Just stop it. He's not real, Clara. None of this is real. What's real is that there is an alien organism wrapped around your face, keeping you warm and happy while it eats you. Mince pie, anyone? You just wake up, just leave me here, please. You have a pain right here. It's like an ice cream pain, but gentle. Do you know what that is? The skin and bone have been parted, probably half an inch, and something is pushed right into the soft tissue of your brain and is very slowly dissolving it. I wanted to picture it this way. Somebody has put a straw right through your skull and is drinking you. You should be screaming with agony, but there's anesthetic. Everything around you right now, even Danny, especially Danny, that's the anesthetic. But it takes dream Danny to help convince her with the name of the episode to boot. Do you know why people get together at Christmas? Because every time they do, it might be the last time. Every Christmas is last Christmas, and this is ours. This was a bonus, this is extra. Now it's time to wake up. And then some revelations are made with the help of the wise doctor. That doesn't seem to be a wound. No, the pain's still there, isn't it? Is it the ice cream pain? Just here, because I've got that. It's the cold, I think. Some sort of reaction. But only on one side, just that spot there. Doesn't that strike you as odd? Well, we've all got it. OK, so why do we all have that pain? Theorise. Don't treat me like a beginner. I was dreaming. Then I woke up. I know that. Do you? And have you ever woken up from a dream and discovered that you're still dreaming? Dreams within dreams, dream states nested inside each other. All perfectly possible, especially when we are dealing with creatures who have weaponized our dreams against us. And a test proves it. Your base manual. I take it that none of you have memorized this. Oh, I haven't read it. These books should be identical in the real world, but as they don't exist in your memory, in a dream, they can't be. Agreed? Clara, give me any two-digit number. 57. All right, all of you, turn to page 57 and look at the very first word. Right, when I point at you. Isotope. Well. Extremely. Inside. Chocolate. Why did I get chocolate? What's that about? This can't be right. We must have got it wrong, that's all. Well, we'll do it again, Clara. 24. 24. We are all 
And it's all finally revealed, although it backfires a little on the Doctor. He creates dreams, within dreams, so you can never be sure if you are really awake, but your brain knows something is wrong. Your subconscious fights back. This is your mind trying to tell you that this isn't real. And so it gives you me, Sweet Papa Crimbo. It gives you comedy elves, flying reindeer. Exactly. Time-traveling scientist dressed as a magician. <laughs> Classic. No, 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 hang yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Living in a phone box? It's a spaceship in disguise. <laughs> you see, none of this makes any sense. Shut up, Santa. Then the power of Santa, of course, helps them fight back and free themselves. What me? It's the North Pole. It's Christmas Day. And you're dying. Who are you going to call? Just one last time. Huh? One last Christmas. As if your lives depended on it. Please. <laughs> Believe in Santa. But before the Doctor heads back into the TARDIS, Clara helps him realise something else. And the people that they're eating. Beyond help. Doctor, the others are still in danger. Well, if they're stupid. There are polar bears on this ice cap. Am I supposed to do something about that too? We know dream crabs are still on Earth. There are lots of dangerous things on this funny little planet of yours, Clara, most of which you eat. I'm the doctor, not your mam. Doctor? If Santa was only in the dream, why was he on my roof? Four. Four patients. Four manuals. Do you know what I hate about the obvious? What? Missing it. Annie does his usual Dr. Ramble thing. Four manuals, yes? Yes, why? One each. One each, yes. What's the problem? Well, the problem is you can't see the problem. For instance, you, got me one. Yeah, I have a name, actually. Doesn't matter, I don't need it. When we first met you in the infirmary, what were you doing? It's a long story. Uptight boss one. What is the primary mission of this polar base? It's a long story. Sexy one. What brings you to the North Pole at your age? It's a long story. Okay, why are they all giving the same answer? Because that is a tiny bit freaky. If you think that's freaky, try this. We were in the TARDIS. Why did we come here? It's a long story. Why do you have four manuals, one each, when you have a crew of eight? Or did you forget about your friends in the infirmary here? And the test is repeated. Clara, page number, make it a good one. Twelve. Very. 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 Dead. And who's going to be the first to admit it? Admit what? That the pain is still there. Actually, I think it's getting worse. Yes. There's an alien organism in your brain eating it. Of course it's getting worse. The crabs then attack again, killing Albert in the dream and in the real world. And the Doctor uses dream logic to summon, who else? Santa Claus to save the day. Come on, it's Christmas, the North Pole! Who are you gonna call?
fight! One by one, they wake up in their real-world locations across time and place. Perfume. What? I'm an account manager. For perfume. Does this mean we're waking up? Possibly. With any luck, we'll all wake up at our proper times and places. Proper times? Well, we could all be from different time zones. Time travel is always possible in dreams. As the Doctor wakes up, Clara hasn't, and the Doctor has to use his TARDIS to rush to save her, only to find she's now an old woman. Well, good to see you properly at last. How long has it been? Clara. Oh, you know, about 62 years. And in true timey-wimey Doctor Who style, Santa appears again to reveal it's yet again a dream. I was stupid. I should have come back earlier. I wish that I had. Do you, Doctor? How much do you wish that? I'm not still. Wakey, wakey! <laughs> and he can actually save Clara in the present time. Doctor. Am I young? No idea. Is that any good? Oh, that's good. And off they go on their next adventures into season nine. Well, look at you all happy. <laughs> that's rare. You know what's rarer? Second chances. I never get a second chance, so what happened this time? Don't even know who to thank. The episode was well received by critics, with praise for its slightly creepy nature that somehow worked well with the sentimental festive fuzziness that ended the episode, and Santa's appearance in general. I agree, although when I first saw it I thought it was a bit too silly and overly complex. But watching it back over subsequent years, as I do with many festive things, I've come to love it a lot more, especially Frost's take on Santa, the dreams within a dream inception style fakeouts, the eerie realisations, and the complex emotional development of Clara dealing with Danny's death. It would work well as a standalone, but gains a lot more if you've seen the previous season. Oddly, this was planned to be Clara's last episode, with her being written out at the end in the script. Moffat went to and fro before changing his mind and giving us more Clara, thankfully, in Series 9. And there are still some festive Doctor episodes left, so expect a few more in the future. How about we hear from another Christmas podcast in the Christmas Podcast Network? What does a poet and his friends who are Christmas geeks do when they get together? They get drunk and argue about Yuletide lit. It's time to get lit for Christmas. Join us as we open the liquor cabinet, grab a book off the shelf, and have a little boozy conversation about what warms our chestnuts and makes us holly and jolly. Find out the best screwdriver to scrooge with. Get the recipe for Gift of the Magi Mojitos. Enjoy a little Peppermint Patty Polar Express. Everyone's welcome at this party. 
It's time to do some Jingle Bell Jello shots and talk about the great, and maybe not so great, works of Christmas literature. Hurry up, the fireplace is roaring and Bing Crosby's crooning. We're two drinks in, and the spirits of Christmas past, present, and future are flowing. Grab a cup of cheer and find a place on the couch. It is time to get lit for Christmas. And let's continue the big Christmas in July vibe with some covers of a stone-cold festive classic that was written way back in 1945 by a singer-songwriter called Mel Torme, along with Robert Wells. Appropriately enough for our July episode, it was apparently written during a blazing hot summer in July 1945, and was a kind of method of trying to keep cool by thinking cool. Good advice for any good Christmas fan during the summer months, whack those Christmas songs on. Mel didn't record it himself at first, Instead, the Nat King Cole trio did, releasing a single in November 1946. But this wasn't actually the first recording. Mel had demanded a second recording with more strings. And he went even further in 1961, getting a third recording with a full orchestra that has since become the definitive version. It seems like he kept going until he got it just right, especially considering it became a bona fide classic and was entered into the Library of Congress in 2022 for preservation in the US National Recording Registry as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Mel did record his own version, well actually a few over the years, but the Nat King Cole became the main version that you probably all know and love. It's probably one of the most covered Christmas songs of all time though, alongside White Christmas. People like Bing Crosby, Christina Aguilera, Ella Fitzgerald, Celine Dion, Jacob Collier and John Legend, among many others, have taken on the song. But they're not British, so forget all about them, because it's time for some British covers, and let's start with an album I've already covered on my podcast recently from Smith and Burroughs, aka Paul Smith of indie band Maxima Park and Andy Burroughs of Razorlight, who released Funny Looking Angels in 2011, a collection of mostly original and quite melancholy seasonal songs. And the closing track is a slow but pretty version of the Christmas song with guest vocalist Agnes Obel, who is Danish, but the names on the record are British, so there. This night rolls down on the open fire Jack Frost living at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir Dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey Next up, back in time to the 80s with a band I hadn't heard of until recently called Delegation. Formed in 1976, Delegation were a funky soul trio who also lent into disco as well. They released six albums from 1977 to 1990, but didn't find huge success with their biggest songs being their debut single, Where Is The Love, hitting 22 in the UK charts, and Oh Honey, the following year, reaching number six on the US R&B charts. 
I really have no idea when or where their take on the Christmas song came from, as I found it on a random compilation on Spotify, but it nicely fits with their smooth, ever so funky soul style. Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way Only 10 years back for the next cover from Claire Teal, an acclaimed British jazz singer whose smooth voice has been captured across 13 albums and winning multiple awards such as British Jazz Vocalist of the Year four times and the BBC Jazz Vocalist of the Year in 2000. Born and raised in Yorkshire on her dad's jazz records, she signed the largest deal for a solo jazz artist with Sony Jazz in the mid-noughties and has since toured the UK and the world as well as hosting a show on Jazz FM. And as all good jazz artists should, she released a festive record called Jing Jingaling in 2013. And it's got a suitably peppy jazz take on the song. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer really knows how to fly And so and finally, let's hear from Joss Stone, a singer with a wonderfully powerful, soulful voice who shot to fame here in the UK with the release of her debut album, The Soul Sessions, even being nominated for a Mercury Prize. She went on to win two Brits and one Grammy, amongst numerous nominations, across nine albums since 2003. And she's made some acting appearances in the not-that-great film Aragon and the TV show The Tudors. She also won last year's series of The Mass Singer here in the UK, and her latest record was Merry Christmas Love, a really lovely festive record that has this understated and classy take on the Christmas song. How to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you. How about we hear from another podcast in the Christmas Podcast Network? 
This holiday season, experience the joy of re-watching the same TV specials you watch every year in podcast form. It's the Advent Calendar House, a salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. Count down to Christmas Eve with a new episode every other day in December about a different holiday show. From the must-watch classics to the lost treasures at the bottom of the DVD bargain bin. Learn the answers to questions nobody asked, like, when is a magic hat you throw away no longer yours? How many Muppets can fit inside a farmhouse? How did cavemen know about Christmas? Why is Elf making me cry? Subscribe now at adventcalendar.house and get 12 episodes every December. But that's not all. You'll also get 12 more episodes during Christmas in July. Why am I talking like a car salesman? It's a free podcast. It's the Advent Calendar House, a podcast on the internet. It's the Advent Calendar House. And finally, it's time to reveal the results of the second group of six face-offs in the big Christmas number one showdown. I've randomised every Christmas number one in the UK into matching pairs, and they're going to face off on my social media till we get down to one winner. I'll intro and play a snippet of each, and post them over the course of the next couple of weeks, with a few days for voting. I'd love for you to share the posts, get your friends voting, and get in touch to know which ones you want to win, and which ones you want to chuck in the bin. Over the last month I've shared the second six, and the results are as follows. 1955's Christmas Alphabet by Dickie Valentine beats Sam Bailey's Skyscraper from 2013. 1960's Cliff Richard and the Shadows' I Love You beat Rolf Harris's Two Little Boys from 1969. A festive winner from 1988 with Cliff Richard Mistletoe and Wine beating Lad Baby in 2020 with Don't Stop Me Eating. Back to the 60s with the Beatles' I Feel Fine beating Rage Against the Machine with their quite unusual rock song Killing in the Name getting a Christmas number one in 2009 but losing here. Next up, 2017's Perfect by Ed Sheeran beat 2011's Wherever You Are by The Military Wives and Gareth Malone. And finally, only just Alexandra Burke's Hallelujah cover from 2008 beat 1972's Long Haired Lover from Liverpool by Jimmy Osmond. The festive one's still making it through thankfully, but here are the next group of competitors. First up is 2005's Shane Ward with That's My Goal, versus 1971's Benny Hill with Ernie. Shane Ward was the second winner of Britain's X Factor, and his first single That's My Goal was the first Christmas number one from one of these winners, but not the last as we've seen in the last few weeks. It was actually the biggest selling single in the UK of 2005, and is the third fastest selling single of all time over here too. Make it right Well I know I've acted foolish But I promise you no more I finally found that something Worth reaching for I'm not here to say I'm sorry I'm not here to lie to you I'm here to say I'm ready That I finally facing off against a comedic turn with 1971's Ernie by comedian Benny Hill, a song all about the fastest milkman in the West and his feud with the bread delivery man. It's as absurd as it sounds, and it may surprise you to hear Benny Hill was actually a milkman before coming famous. This song 
even won him an Ivan Novello Songwriting Award. She lived all alone in Lily Lane at number 22. They said she was too good for him. She was orny, proud and chic. But Ernie got his cocoa there three times every week. They called him Ernie. And he drove the fastest milk cart in the West. She said she'd like to bathe in milk. He said, all right, sweetheart. And when he'd finished work one night, he loaded up the cart. He said you wanted pasteurised, cos pasteurised is better. Next up is 2000's Bob the Builder with Can We Fix It? versus 2002's Girls Aloud, Sound of the Underground. We're sticking with the humorous for a second, although this is aimed at kids laughing rather than adults. And here we have Bob the Builder, the huge kids TV show star voiced by Neil Morrissey of British sitcom Men Behaving Badly, a very adult comedy compared to this show. And he sings about fixing things with his usual catchphrase of can we fix it? Yes we can. It was a huge hit with kids at Christmas, becoming the biggest selling song of the year in 2000 in the UK. And only two years later, Sound of the Underground comes from another reality TV show act, from a spin-off show called Pop Stars The Rivals where men and women were put into boy and girl groups, One True Voice and Girls Aloud. One True Voice had an okay career, but Girls Aloud became huge, with their first single Sound of the Underground, this fun pop banger hitting Christmas number one in 2002. Next up is 2003's Michael Andrews and Gary Jules with Mad World versus 1961's Danny Williams with Moon River. It's common for covers to hit the top spot at Christmas, but 2003's was a slightly odd one. Back in 1982, Tears for Fears released Mad World, and 21 years later, two musicians called Michael Andrews and Gary Jules recorded a cover for the soundtrack of the brilliantly weird sci-fi teen film called Donnie Darko. It's a morose number, and an odd movie full of metaphysical ideas about identity, time and death. So, perfect for grabbing the Christmas number one then. It's hard to tell you, I find it hard to take When people run in circles, it's a very, very And then all the way back to 1961 for a beautifully classic love song in Moon River. Originally written by Henry Mancini and performed in Breakfast at Tiffany's by Audrey Hepburn. Other artists followed suit such as Andy Williams and Jerry Butler. But here in the UK, Danny Williams, often dubbed as the British Johnny Mathers, got a number one for Christmas. 
up is 1959's Emil Ford and the Checkmates with What Do You Want To Make Those Eyes At Me For? versus 1997's Spice Girls with Too Much. Even further back to 1959 and we see St. Lucian born musician Emil Ford who took a song from 1916 called What Do You Want To Make Those Eyes At Me For? Originally a Broadway song from a show called Follow Me. And then he recorded a doo-wop version with his group the Checkmates to grab a Christmas number one. And baby you'll find You're messing with dynamite So what do you wanna make those eyes at me for If they don't mean what they say I don't need to say too much about the next act, the Spice Girls, the biggest girl group in the world in the late 90s, who hit their second consecutive Christmas number one with Too Much, a song that they actually said slightly stole from doo-wop sounds connected to their competitor in this round. It was their sixth single and their sixth number one, which made them the first act ever to get number one with their first six singles consecutively. face-off of this round is 1996's Spice Girls to become one versus 1993's Mr Blobby with Mr Blobby. We're staying with the girl power gang for their first Christmas number one, To Become One, a song that borders on the oddly sexual in a sneaky ballad way. Perfect for a Christmas number one then. It's probably their most played here in terms of festive times as I often hear it or see it on Christmas music channels in the UK, maybe because of the wintry set video that sees the girls in coats and scarves over time lapses of a cold and snowy New York City. off against another icon of the 1990s, a titan, a hero, 
Yes, the thing you've been waiting for, Mr. Blobby. Any non-British person may be confused at that name, but to British people of a certain age, he's ingrained into our minds whether we like it or not. Mr. Blobby was a creation of Charlie Adams, a writer for the huge Saturday night variety show, Noel's House Party, fronted by Noel Edmonds. Mr. Blobby is basically a huge pink humanoid covered in yellow spots with jiggly eyes that only communicates using his name Pokemon style and brings chaos wherever he goes, smashing into things, attacking people and breaking stuff. Just look him up, especially his appearance on the big fat quiz of the year, terrifying comedian Jack Whitehall. And to capitalise on the success of the show, a novelty song was released and it got Christmas number one in 1993, despite being called one of the worst songs ever in many polls since. And finally, 1957's Mary's Boy Child by Harry Belafonte versus 2007's When You Believe by Leon Jackson. And finally, a festive song for this round. In 1957, Calypso pop star Harry Belafonte recorded Mary's Boy Child, a Christmas carol written in 1956 by Jester Hairston, who was an expert on spiritual black music. Belafonte heard it performed by a choir and recorded his version that got to Christmas number one. It's one of the few songs to get to number one twice at Christmas with different artists, as we mentioned before with Boney M recording it to success in 1978. While shepherds watch their flock by night Them see a bright new shining star Them hear a choir sing the music And the final competitor takes us back to our old favourites and X-Factor winner And this time Leon Jackson who won the fourth series of the show in 2007 And covered When You Believe Originally a song for the animated film The Prince of Egypt sung by Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. I'm not saying his version's bad, but it's difficult to beat those two vocal icons. But check it out for yourself. We there can be miracles when you believe. Though hope is real, it's hard to care. Somehow you will, you will when you believe. Easy to... Well,
well, Christmas in July was a huge success. Well, I like to think so, and I have the Christmas joy to prove it. I hope you enjoyed our super festive July episode. Have you seen this Doctor Who episode about a Nick Frost Santa and Inception alien attack? What did you think? Did you like the covers of a Christmas song? Have you voted in our big Christmas number one showdown yet? Do you want Spice Girls to go all the way? Or are you all about the blobby? Get on the socials and join in. You can find me at Merry Britsmas on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which is where the polls are posted. August is up next. And then we're only a step away from the Burr months. Happy blooming Christmas to you and all.